Welcome to the April 13th edition of the PFF Forecast. We are going to talk um, a little AFC West here. Um, great division and um, great timing for that because uh, Derek Carr got a uh, nice little extension, still kind of being reported on. In fact, I found out about the Derek Carr extension um, like 25 minutes ago, uh, thanks to uh, thanks to Eric. Um, so it'll be a live kind of reaction uh, to that. Uh, I also have a story about how I am getting very old that uh, I think Eric will enjoy. Let's rock. So, um, Eric, I, uh, I pulled my back wow. and yes, but here's the bad thing about that. I pulled my back, like basically like stretching, <laughs> like I was just like walking around and I was like, Oh, I'll like, you know, I'll, I'll do a little twist side to side. Just loosen things up. Might work out in, you know, 20 minutes. Just fucking pulled my back. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute disaster. Tried and power through. Not particularly good at it. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, feeling pretty old right now. Man, that's uh, that's rough. I I uh, I did that a couple like a month ago when I was on my way to my friend's dad's funeral, and it, it you know when I, I was just putting on my shoes. But uh, you know that happens, and uh, you're gonna have to live through it. You're gonna have to wrestle with your mortality. Um, Grit. Grit, determination, um, that'll make it happen. How was, um, we obviously last time we talked, you were like on the other side of the world. How was your travel experience? You had like a 24 hour travel journey. Do you have any good stories from that? Not really. I can't sleep. So Sunday, right before we did the show, I, I had a, a like a four or five hour rest and then um, I had dinner with my parents and I had the podcast with you. And then I, I, you know, I had to get up at about three 30 AM, you know, Budapest time, which was nine 30 or so. Um, yeah, nine 30, uh, Eastern, uh, to get up and get my, my taxi. My flight was at midnight Eastern. Um, I got back at 11 PM, uh, the following day. So it was a pretty long, uh, trek, but it was it was basically like one seven hour flight and two four hour layovers, and at least in the Paris one, I found like this big uh, um, this big uh, you know floppy couch thing that I slept on for four hours because I can't really sleep on the airplane, um, so that that was that was pretty like um, you know, and, and then on, on the flight there, I like did some work and I, I coded a little bit and then I, I watched movies and, you know, it was, I forgot how good, uh, Step Brothers was. I forgot how good, um, Hall Pass was weirdly. Jason Sudeikis like doesn't really miss. So that was, that was fairly yeah. enjoyable. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very, uh, interesting, uh, travel and, and I'm glad to be back. I think my parents are leaving. Uh, today, so we'll see if they make it back to the states uh, in one piece. Having heard um, some stories about um, you traveling with your parents, I think it was a good thing that you guys split split this one up. That that was probably a solid move. 
<laughs> yeah, they were they were uh, they had a lot of fun at the wedding. I think it was the three of us were the only people from the U.S. that went. Uh, they enjoyed it. My parents have friends from Hungary, so it, it's you know it was fun and and you know ultimately uh, I'm glad my sister uh, enjoyed herself. I really liked uh, meeting her husband. So yeah, it was fun and uh, the NFL. Uh, took some time off at least for a little bit. Uh, although, um, you know, this morning the Derek Carr signing uh, certainly uh, revved up the engines a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about a little Derek Carr. Let's um, let's talk about that um, at the outset here, and let's do the AFC West, and let's start with the Raiders because obviously there's a lot of things um, that are interesting um, about them, regardless of the Derek Carr. Um, restructuring and obviously Devontae Adams coming over. Um, and, and we've talked about that a little bit, but as you look at the current odds to win the vaunted, the, the division of death, I'm not sure the world cup has a group of death, but the NFL has a division of death. And that is the AFC West chiefs plus plus one sixty, Los Angeles chargers plus two fifty, Denver Broncos plus two fifty, Raiders plus 600. Do you, so as you look at the Raiders, do you think like, okay, the, this, these moves all make sense or is it, we, we are kind of on a fool's errand. This will get us some publicity and maybe a little bit of love here at the outset, but really keeping Derek Carr around and then bringing in Devontae Adams is just going to help us be a better fourth place team. I think, you know, if the deal would have been like, look, that there's, there's plenty of, um, you know, plenty of folks who who think that these things are inevitable that you need to play in this game, and there's like this human aspect to it. Like, I, if this was a fully guaranteed deal, this is this would have been one of the dumber things I think a team has done all offseason. Derek Carr, uh, 2016 was worth 3.34 wins above replacement. Last year, in 18 games, he was worth 3.13. Um, so. You know, he, his war has, has gone up every year for the last four years. Um, I think John Gruden, you know, started there in 18. Like, I think, like, Gruden's offense actually got a decent amount out of Derek Carr. Um, so, you know, you come back, Josh McDaniels is now the coach. Uh, you know, you haven't hit on a draft pick in God knows how long. Um, other than, you know, Max Crosby's fine. Um, but I, I think that the problem here is that, you know, 3.13 war, right? You're looking at kind of a fair market value of about $31 million. So at $19 million, right, with that long-term deal, he was a value to this team. And he's been a value to this team for three years now. At $40 million, you know, and, and if you prorate it out, even like, let's say, 35 35 you're working at a deficit again. And, you know, with quarterbacks like Carr, like Tannehill, like Cousins, guys like that who don't elevate the play of those around them, you can't be working at a deficit with your quarterback uh, on on a money on a money thing. Now, if the deal is as reported, which is like one year, twenty five million, Raiders have a chance to get out from under it in two thousand twenty three. Then I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, then you're talking about having a six million dollar. You know, if he plays up to what he played in last year, which is again, or let's say he takes the average of the last two years and he's at two point nine WAR or something like that, then you're looking at a surplus value at the QB position. And you can do that. So I think, you know, the second report here makes a lot of sense. It also throws cold water at this idea that you, that these teams are required to play in this veteran quarterback contract game. 
Like you, you aren't, you don't have to sign Kirk Cousins. You don't have to sign Ryan Tannehill. You don't have to sign Derek Carr to these long-term deals. You can, you know, sort of like these are the positions where it would like going year to year is actually probably fine given the way that things go. Um, so I, I like the move for the Raiders now that I, I know what the sort of structure is. If it would have been guaranteed or close to guaranteed or ba- you know backloaded and things like that, it would have been pretty horrendous, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I'm shocked. First off, I'm stunned that you managed to bring it back to Kirk Cousins. I would have never thought that. Um, this is, it's the about, same. It's the same problem, though, right? Yeah, no, it is. And so, so you know, look, I was looking at two of the you know smarter contract people that are out there, Jason from Over the Cap and our very own Brad Spielberger on Twitter. And, um, you know, b- basically what they're saying, and this is what Brad tweeted is interesting approach at quarterback with Kirk cousins and, and now Derek Carr, the Vikings and the Raider and Raiders effectively apply a preemptive franchise tag, maintain, maintain control, but really just buy themselves time. The player gets a no trade clause in return to dictate a potential future move. And, like that makes sense to me um, because you're kind of giving, you're kind of giving this a shot. Right. And I guess the question would be, if it doesn't work out, how do you untangle the mess, which, you know, would mean, okay, it doesn't work out. So you're presumably trying to trade Derek Carr. You, you know, you're obviously not going to be able to do anything with Devonte Adams, you know, at the moment. Um, and, you know, that one is a challenging one, but you know, you at least would be able to re-rack with a, you know, a quarterback, like a young quarterback um, in, in next year's draft or some, you know, maybe the year after if you, if you tank and acquire um, pieces. But that leads me to this question. So Derek Carr is a no trade clause. Interesting. Deshaun Watson had a no trade clause. Now Deshaun Watson, for all the garbage human stuff that he does off the field, probably had a higher value than Derek Carr because of his age and his ability on the field. I am wondering, does does having a no trade clause associated with Derek Carr, does that cost you a lot of value? And is that like worthwhile? Like, should you not just, you know, should you not just suck it up and actually go year to year? Um, Or is there enough value in having a player like Derek Carr with a no trade clause if you want to unload him? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. And so I must have misunderstood. So because because the way that the the Cousins deal is a thirty one million dollar. $31.4 $31.4 million cap hit in 2022. If they were to cut him right now, it would be an $80 million dead money charge. If they cut 2023, his cap number is $36.25 million, 16.1% of the cap. Dead money cut charge is $48,750,000. And then he has, a, he has two void years, one 2024 and one 2025. And basically, you're splitting up $12.5 million, so 5% of the salary cap, um, basically on void years that you have to pay out. If And like and that with a no-trade clause. So the issue becomes, like, if that's the thing, like, you're really not getting out from under the guy, right? Um, like, Minnesota doesn't – I mean, they can trade Kirk to a different team if he wants that trade. But, like, that that really reduces their ability to do so, right? And if Carr has that sort of structure as well – then I'm less bullish on the deal because, you know, essentially, I mean, you are, 
Like the issue becomes though, apply the south the 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 franchise tag, and I, I've come to appreciate this a little bit more. The franchise tag is clean, right? Like you can get out from under it. You can sort of. Uh, it doesn't hamper future. Like everybody's going to say, well, you know, like let's say, you know, Derek Carr's deal is only twenty five million cap it. Let's assume that's true this year. It's like, but that doesn't matter in the sense that, like, if he's if he has guaranteed money next year, that's still going to influence what you can do this year, right? The and again, like this is the one contract that's on over the cap, so I'm going to talk about it, not because you know whatever, but like the thirty six point two five million that Kirk Cousins costs in 2023 affects what the Vikings can do today. Right. And so I, I get, I, this is the part of the salary cap is, you know, the, it's sort of like people who at least acknowledge the salary caps real, but don't like, but don't really understand it or saying, Oh, he's cheap this year. It's like, yeah, but like the future years caught, like, that's like saying, well, look, my, my uh, car payments only 50 bucks, you know, it's like, yeah, but you took out a 30 year car, car loan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so like, so that's going to, like, it should be affecting what you do the rest of your life. Um, or I, I think it's even in, more interesting when, like, you, you, you know, sort of say, like, you buy, you know, you buy a new house and you don't, you don't have to pay a mortgage for the first two, two months, let's say. You're like, oh, well, my house is free. Like, that's ridiculous, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's where I get nervous about these things that, where they, they push this money forward because, you know, that $12.5 million cap hit, let's say, in 2024 – like that matters, right? That's 5% of your salary cap, you know? And that's just for the right. And this is where it comes back to car just for the right to be an okay team this year. Like I've come to appreciate a little bit what the Rams do, right? Because when they push the thing towards the middle, they were the favorite in the NFC West. When this happened, they were one of the favorites in the, in the NFL. They were, you know, there, there was, and when the Chiefs did it in 2020, when they, you know, remember there was a time when the Chiefs had like yeah. $68,000 under the cap for like a month straight mm-hmm. while they were trying to renegotiate Sammy Watkins' deal. It's like, yes, but they're the Super Bowl favorites, right? So there's a point to all of this. The Raiders' win total right now in, in DraftKings is 8.5. Mm-hmm. Their division title odds is 6-1. to one. They're 6-1 to one to win the division. What are they doing this for? Like this doesn't like I and and I think that the rationale is and I I don't agree with it at all is you were one pass away from beating a Bengals team that made the Super Bowl and you, so every, you think everybody that's... believes they're one degree of separation away yeah. from the Super Bowl and it's just like no like this Super Bowl was won by a fourth seed against mm-hmm. a, against another fourth seed in a after they went to the conference title game against the sixth seed this was a random yeah. ass year. Do you think in an AFC that includes Buffalo with Josh Allen, P- Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, the, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, the Broncos with Russell Wilson, the uh, New England Patriots with Bill Belichick and Mac Jones, the Miami Dolphins with Tyreek Hill, Tua Tungavailoa, uh, Mike McDaniel, and like probably you know a little bit better trajectory than you, um, uh, the Titans who were the freaking one seed last year, and Matt Ryan going in, do you think you really have a chance in this, in this conference? Well, and he, if, so here's, here's the thing that's funny. Cause like, I would, I'm going to, I'll push back a little bit on the like one throw away from going to the Super Bowl, And that, that's actually a really good way of looking at it, but maybe it's not even that deep. Maybe it's literally like we moved to Las Vegas. 
we have this stadium. If we, if we aren't a competitive team, then the only people coming to our games are going to be out of towners. They're going to pack our stadium. And we refuse to have that happen to us like this year. What's interesting about that is if you just look like, if you just look past the, the, the regular season. So let's say like, what's a good outcome for them? A good outcome for them would honestly, if they just make the playoffs and you know their, their win totals at eight and a half, a good outcome would be nine wins, Eric. They win nine games. They're a wild card team. They're playing on the road in the playoffs. They lose again. Like you're right back to where you started. And the problem is you're right back to where you started, but you don't have room to keep improving, I guess is the, is the problem. And so what happens? You, you maybe hang on for another year and maybe you get another wild card. Maybe you don't, maybe you miss the playoffs. You're just delaying what is the most likely outcome. I'm not saying inevitable because, you know, shit happens, but like at some point, you're going to have to face the realization of we're either going to try and be a really good team and make people come watch the Raiders for 10 straight years, or we are just going to keep trying to hang on to keep it, you know, good enough and know that the bottom could fall out at any moment. I I think that's a tough, that's a tough call, right? Like I do, I do understand how that's tough from an ownership standpoint, especially for a Raiders team that like, isn't the most cash rich team in the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean that's the there, there's another issue, and this is this was similar to what Kansas City did. We'll talk about them. Can you know the the Raiders have 21 players under contract, so now with with Carr, it'd be 22 players under contract in 2023, right? So you know, and and that's the thing. Like, so everybody's going to look and say, look, the Raiders next year have 79 million dollars in cap space, and that is seventh best in the NFL. But they only have 21 players under contract, meaning. Like if you add the, you know, and, and uh, over the cap does a great job with effective cap space, which is basically saying, okay, let's fill the rest of that roster out with um, uh, veteran minimum players, right? Then the Raiders are down to $57 million in effective cap space. Now Carr is probably going to eat into that sum. But if you're, again, you have 21, million, 21 players under contract going into next year. That is tied for the least amount uh, in the NFL um, with the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, again, you, these teams that have become so top heavy and, you know, are pushing stuff towards the future, like a few things, like you either get stuck in two different ways. You get stuck basically having a ton of dead monies. And that's what the Vikings did with cousins is, you know, Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen and, um, uh, I'm trying to think of Danelle Hunter, like they all push their money forward. So they're going to be on that team in their thirties, um, possibly not producing anything, or you just don't have anybody. And then you're going to have to actually fill your roster up. Kansas city with 22 players under contract. They, they made the choice to jettison Tyree kill and get 12 draft picks to sort of get on their way to filling those roster spots up with cheap talent. If you look at the Raiders, the Raiders don't have a first round pick this year. Right. And the Raiders, um, you know, you know, the Raiders draft picks, like those guys, like they're not going to come in. Um, I'm going to look at uh, 2022 uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, draft picks. Um, they have a pick. They don't even have a. They, I mean, they have. They don't even have a pick in round two either. They have a pick in round. They have one, two, three, four, five draft picks. 
one in round three, one in round four, one in round five, another one in round five, and another one in round seven. So next year they have 21 players under contract and they have five draft picks, none of whom are going to be a second round pick or better to supplement that as cheap talent. So that that's part of the picture that I think people don't get here. And, you know, you can have Adams and you get Waller and you can have, you know, Renfro and, and, and those are great. Chandler Jones is a wonderful player, but like th- that's not setting up to be all that great. I, I tend to agree with you. And we didn't even mention Chandler Jones, which I think, I think goes to speak to like, it's not, these things don't happen in a vacuum. Are the Raiders the best team in the AFC South? The the Raiders would be the third place team in the NFC South, AFC South. No, no, no. Really? Yeah, the yeah the Colts are better than they are. Hmm. I think that's a close one. I think that's a close one. Like, man, I get that. You know, it's obviously we like Frank Wright quite a bit. That one's close to me. That one's close. And I think the point I'm trying to make there is doing this in the AFC West is different than doing it in another division. Would you have been a, a, a could you have gotten on board with what they were doing in the AFC, if they were in the AFC South? If they were in the AFC South, the NFC North, the a- NFC East, uh, the NFC South, you know, or just the NFC in general, it makes mm-hmm. more sense, right? Because you know, and, and again, that's the cover that a team like Minnesota has in doing what they did is like, you know, they probably are the seventh best team in that conference. Um, so cool, you know, knock your socks off, win nine games, make the playoffs for the first time in three years. The Raiders are like, I mean, the Raiders are closer to the bottom team in that conference than they are the top. And they're and they're the worst team in their own division. Like that's another part that that where where it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um Okay, I am going to go under eight and a half. Um, I know it just seems like a it's like thing to do. Our number is seven point nine at PFF, so mm-hmm. um, and that, and like you know, I think that's a that's a good if you're if you were sitting there going, I think I think under might be right, but it feels wrong. This is where math is wonderful. I, I don't think there's, I, I really don't think there's a better um predictor of you know how the how the league is going to fall than um our simulation and the you know, simulation that you've cultivated over time um i just like eight and a half man like i know you look at that team and you go oh, yeah they should win nine games i'm this division and the sum of the parts may not be as good as you think that's the other thing like Derek carr and and Devontae adams and chandler jones it may not all work out with josh McDaniels. I mean, look, Devontae Adams is probably the most talented receiver that Aaron Rodgers has ever worked with, but the history of players who have left Aaron Rodgers is replete with players who have sucked wherever they've gone. Uh, and, and and not only that, replete with players who have gone to the Raiders and sucked. James Jones sucked with the Raiders. Jordy Nelson sucked with the Raiders. Uh, Greg Jennings went to Minnesota and was terrible, you know, was not good. Um, you know, he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't, you know, great with the Vikings. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of Randall Cobb had a somewhat efficient year with, with Dallas, but was not volume guy there. Like this is to, to Devontae Adams might be the most talented receiver in football. And who knows if they're going to use him properly. I mean, Josh McDaniel wasn't exactly 
the the why you know like I think of like Brandon Lloyd who you know Brandon Lloyd like led the NFL in receiving and he went to you know he went to St. Louis and played with Josh McDaniel and then he went to New England and played with Josh McDaniel and didn't like even crack a thousand yards so like when's the last time you know Randy Moss is maybe the last receiver that went to New England and like got better with Josh McDaniel so uh, Wes Welker the same year probably um, everybody else sort of like it was Brady and like Derek Carr is not Brady so like this is it, it's just a really tough thing, um, I think, you know, to for the Raiders. And it, it's a tough look. And, again, like, I just don't know if this is what I would have done. And, again, we may we might have to look back and look at somebody like Ryan Poles and think, wow, this guy really has some guts. Because everybody else seems to have taken over teams and tried to keep the lights on when maybe the smartest thing to do was to take a year away. From winning, like a year, like yeah. what doing what the Bears are doing or not doing. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of. <laughs> this is a weird thing to remind uh, someone of. But you know how um, some of those people will like do they like bulk, and I'm I'm not well versed in this, so I'm not going to pretend I am. Um, but they'll like they'll gain a ton of weight so that when then they can go and like lose a ton of weight, and when they do, apparently like makes you look more shredded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to. It's easier to. I well. Not in my experience, that's not the case, but like it's easier in theory to like to well, to, to so lose here's the weight thing. down. Maybe I'm like the Raiders because I maybe maybe that would be the pathway for me to be my best self. And I I'm refusing. I wouldn't do like you asked me right now, I'd be like, hell no. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna spend six months, you know, doing that to myself and looking like that. Like that's not worth it to me. Um, but maybe it should be. Maybe I'm, the, maybe I'm the human version of the Raiders. That would be sad. Um, let's move. Um, that was a good conversation. Let's move to, um, let's save your Chiefs for, for last. Um, best, the best for last. The best for last. Um, and uh, let's um, real quick remind everyone that right now on PFF.com, we have, it's, it's the deal of the, of the century right now. Draft 50, 50% off an elite subscription. All of you out there listening to this podcast, you bet. This is a great deal. Go get the Elite subscription with all of the fantastic betting tools, player props, uh, dashboard, best bets tool, uh, spread, money line total, all that good stuff. And it's only getting better, only getting better. Um, really exciting stuff that we're going to have um, as a part of those um, those models and, and those tools coming coming up so this is a great deal go make it happen maybe you can get two get one for you one for your friend draft 50 50 off a pff elite annual subscription that's like eight bucks a freaking month so go make it happen also our good friend austin gale uh hosted a podcast called hutch um it's a really cool podcast because it's with aiden freaking hutchinson jim harbaugh's on there um aiden's like every person that's played against or coached against Aiden Hutchinson, that's worth a damn, is on that uh, podcast series. It's really, really cool. I'm really looking forward to listening to the whole thing all the way through in its final form. Um, and uh, I think you guys will love it based on what I've already heard. So go check that out. That's free wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it just dropped last night. The By the way, have you listened to Hutch already yet, Eric? I know it just dropped last uh, night. I haven't. Um, I, you know, was, was busy today, but, uh, I'm excited for it. I think Austin is, uh, just, you know, the best of us and, uh, you know, he, he did, I, you know, he worked so hard at things. So I, I'm, pu even, I'm pumped. He even for did him. his hair. 
he did his hair. He did. He times. did. Like, it's a privilege to see that happen. But yeah, uh, he, it he was impressive. Did. The Chiefs. Um, let me get. Let's let's go in reverse order here of what we did with the Raiders, and let's start with the Chiefs at plus one sixty. First time they haven't um, been um, minus money, um, greater than fifty percent break even to uh, to win or you know to win to the division. Um, win total at ten and a half. This is also what their lowest win total um, in is, is it in the Andy Reid era in the Mahomes era. Um, minus one fifteen over, minus one hundred five under. Um, the 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 Kansas Simpy Chief. What are you doing? This is the the lowest win total since Patrick Mahomes became the starter. Okay. I believe his first year, two thousand and seventeen, or sorry, two thousand eighteen. The Chiefs came into that season with an eight and a half win total. Uh, since then, it's been, you know, 11, 11, you know, last year was 12 and a half. They went under that. That was the first time Andy Reid's team went under a season win total uh, during his time. Um, <clears throat> look, I, I think that this is a team that has sacrificed some of their ability to win the Super Bowl in 2022 for an opportunity to take advantage of the rest of the NFL uh, in 2003 and 2023 and beyond. Um you know, when you look at the AFC, there are a lot of teams that have set themselves up really nicely to have a competitive year. Um, you know, the Chargers uh, in their own division with Herbert on a rookie deal, a pretty damn good head coach, in my opinion, uh, and a lot of acquisitions and, and a middling draft pick. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, the the reigning you know AFC champions, quarterback on a rookie deal, revamped offensive line, great receiving core, good defense, okay head coach. Um, you, know, you still have the Ravens with Lamar on his rookie deal, although he's making the fifth-year option money now. Um, you know, Buffalo is the favorite, and I think that they should be. Um, and yet at the same time, you know, the Chiefs right now are 10-1. to 1. They're tied with the Rams and the Packers for the third-best odds in the NFL. In a year from now, Buffalo is going to be feeling the Von Miller contract the Chargers are going to be probably having paid Justin Herbert. The Bengals are going to have been paying, you know, Joe Burrow. And, you know, a team like Denver is going to be feeling the, the Russell Wilson. The Raiders we talked about, you know, they're going to be uh, hurting as well. Uh, Tennessee is already paying Ryan Tannehill a ton of money. They're going to have to have the wrecking day with that. You know, Indianapolis, who knows who, the, who their quarterback will be by next year. Uh, the Patriots, you know, like... You know, their their roster is going to be what it is, and the Dolphins are going to have to make a choice on Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, that is where I see the the Chiefs. Like, I don't necessarily think I'll bet them to win the Super Bowl. I don't even know if I'll bet them to go over. I think what they're saying, which I think is a very good gamble, which is to say we're underdogs this year. We're going to try to make the playoffs, and if we're in the playoffs with our quarterback and head coach, we're as good of an underdog as anybody. But coming out of the Coming out of it in 2023, when teams are have to start to play the same game that they do with salaries and quarterbacks and stuff like that, they'll have already picked 12 players in this draft who are a year older. They will, you know, Patrick Mahomes will have eaten a lot of money of his deal this year because they didn't restructure. Same with Chris Jones. And they'll be stronger. I think that they're playing a long game this year, which is to say, I don't think I'd bet on them this year, but I do think their their moves have made them stronger long term than they could have otherwise been. 
what I think it's interesting is can you make a case that they could be stronger this year? And I don't want to, don't ball sack or just whack this take, but targeting Tyreek Hill last year, and you brought up uh, uh, on a podcast prior um, how his average depth of target dropped. Interestingly, his average depth of target last year, the same as Byron, the great Lord Byron Pringle. Um, but Patrick Mahomes' turnover-worthy throw rate was greater than 3% targeting only one receiver, one player. And, and that was Tyreek Hill last year. Had just barely a bigger big-time throw rate than turnover-worthy play rate um, when, when targeting Tyreek Hill. And part of me wonders if it's not one of these things where it's like addition by subtraction, but it's the mentality of how like Patrick Mahomes maybe is thinking through the offense and maybe the way that Andy Reid is calling the offense and, 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 and that team of, of offensive coaches are scheming the offense where they may have been so focused on teams are trying to stop Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes be, by playing, you know, all of these, you know, kind of deep coverage looks that they were too focused on that. And you look at Patrick Mahomes PFF grade and, you know, like it, obviously PFF grade is it, it really, you know, it's, it's the best metric out there and really does a great job but you know there obviously there's some there's some areas where it's we're trying to improve it but he was 13th in pff grade last yep. year barely and top 10 in war despite playing a whole playoff season except for the super bowl so so like i'm still expecting him i'm expecting mahomes to be a, to be better next year and i'm expecting that offense to be more efficient next year and you know, Josh Allen and the Bills are the team that, you know, that, that they need to beat. They're not in that division, you know. And, like, as much as it's sexy to talk about the Chargers and the, the Broncos, there, there are still, you know, there are question marks with all those teams. So I do agree with you that it sets them up better to win, you know, in the future. And I think that's, that's really smart. But I'm not sure it actually hurts them right now. You know what I'm saying? No, I think you're right. I mean, here's the thing. The... Patrick Mahomes' average depth of target has gone down basically two yards since his first year as a starter. Um, it went down a full yard last year. His big-time throw rate in 2020 was higher than it was in 2019 when they won the Super Bowl, and it got cut in half last year. Um, his average depth of target was the same as Tua Tungabailoa last year. The you know, I, And I've been doing some stuff with, with Tage Seth. One of the things I was working on was late is – I, we've been measuring linebacker movement and the thing that we're trying to measure is sort of this, this trade-off between linebackers that bite on play action and linebackers that flow well in the run game. And we looked at opposing offenses and the chiefs offense makes linebackers bite on play action the least. And it makes linebackers flow on actual run plays the least linebackers are just sitting in gaps, you know, waiting for the chiefs to do something like waiting for the chiefs to try to throw that stuff to Tyreek Hill. And then in addition to that, you know, our uh, Lao Shui Fui had the, the, the stuff with the two high safeties. And again, after you adjust for everything, it, like most teams are within a certain thin box of like who, how many box players there are. But the Chiefs, after, even after you adjust for down and distance and tendencies and stuff, teams run too high way more against the Chiefs than expected. So these, offense, these defenses are adjusting. Now, 
I agree. Patrick Mahomes' yards per pass attempt have gone down every single year since his first year. His PFF grade has basically gone, and war per game started has gone down every single year since he's been a chief. Now, it's not egregious. He's still a 3.27 war player, even in a year where he wasn't particularly great last year, in my opinion. But this team was, you know, pretty high in expected points added. Andy Reid, during the course of the season, figured the thing out, right? To the point where against the NFL's number one defense, the Chiefs put up 40 points, you know, against Buffalo. Now, the question becomes, if you're the Chiefs, do you want to need to, every single year, scratch and claw and grind to get 2% better because defenses are taking away the one guy that everybody thinks is singular on your team? Or do you want to sort of change, right? And know a priori that you want to change. And come into the season where you're the one that defenses have to adjust to, as opposed to you adjusting to everybody's defense that's engineered to stop your identity. Make your identity change and, you know, uh, make defenses adjust to you. Because I guarantee you that on the fly, the defensive coaches of the NFL will not be able to adjust as quickly as Andy Reid can adjust. But if Andy Reid stays the same as he has basically for the whole Mahomes era, then defenses can catch up and did catch up to him, right? That that offense was not humming in the beginning of the year. And so I, I sort of agree with you there. Now, again, it's ball sack or just whack to say, look, they're a better team now without Tyreek Hill. I don't agree with that, but I think long-term, their outs are more, especially with the draft now, you have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, two third-round picks. You have a chance now... You add a wide receiver to the mix, look for a right tackle to replace Mitchell Schwartz finally. You obviously get the defense, put some depth on that defense. And I think you're going to be better long-term. Again, they had 22 players under contract. And if Tyreek Hill would have signed like a Devontae Adams-like deal, they would have basically had no effective cap space next year. So like this was a good move for them to make to be a long-term contender with Mahomes. And all, all, all reports suggest that Mahomes is okay with it. It, it is ball sack or just whack to say it in that way. And I, and I wanted to be careful there because we don't have the counterfactual. Like we don't know how they would have been this year with Tyreek Hill, right? Like I, I'd be sitting here, if they had Tyreek Hill, I'd be sitting here telling you that Patrick Mahomes is going to go freaking off this year because like they're going to spend all off season instead of thinking about how I got the shit kicked out of me because my left tackle and right tackle couldn't, you know, could, couldn't block. And that's why we didn't win the Super Bowl. Like this year they're sitting there going, fuck, the reason we didn't win the Super Bowl is because we weren't good enough, like offensively, like Patrick Mahomes, me, Tyreek Hill. So that, that's ridiculous. I think what I'm trying to say is like they're, they're going to improve, I believe, off of last year's performance, even though they put themselves in a position to succeed more, have a higher chance of, of success and Super Bowl contention in, you know, in the future, right? Which is, which is really kind of, you know, having your cake and eating it too. Now, here's yeah, the question. And, and I think, and I think that that's the whole thing where people will say, you know, what, what is, you know, people will pretend that you don't, you, like, you have no choice but to do these things. But the mm -hmm. fact of the matter is, like, when you have a Derek Carr, when you have a Kirk Cousins, when you have a Ryan Tannehill, when you have, um, you know, some of these sort of middling quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield would have been the same way. Like, the opportunity cost of having that quarterback is a yes, the likelihood that you draft somebody and he freaking stinks. But the B is drafting somebody like Patrick Mahomes, who gives you this multifaceted ability to contend, right? The Chiefs 
are con- the, look the Chiefs are are a far better bet to win the Super Bowl than all but like two teams this year, three teams, right? But at the same time, we're talking about them having to luck into winning the Super Bowl, right? All these other teams that are sort of like you know settling for mediocre quarterback play, not mediocre, but mediocre wins above replacement per dollar spent. That's all I'll talk about it. They're they're looking for luck just to get into the same place the Chiefs are in a down year for them, right? And so that's that's the issue, I think, when we were all like, hey, go back into the draft, try to find a Justin Herbert, try to find a, a Joe Burrow, because those guys give you multifaceted ways to, to compete, right? Because, you know, when Mahomes signed this contract, there were going to be years where he renegotiated or, or you know, they, they converted money and they had space. And then years like this where they throttle back and he's taking the full hit, right? And, and they're taking a step back roster-wise, but he's still good enough to give them a chance. And I think that that's, that's where, like, that elite quarterback, people will say, oh, you know, it's not worth it. It's, to me, man, like, that, that's, that's, what, that's why it's worth it. Okay. One word. Over or under 10.5. Over minus 115. Under minus 105. Uh, I think 11.5 is probably high. I, if I had... Is it ten and a half? It's ten and a half. Sorry, I, I said ten and a half. I, if you heard eleven, that was yeah. I would go over ten and a half. I mean, I think this is a getting like. Do you think the Chiefs are a ten and seventeen? That's. I mean, that's why I'm going. <laughs> that's why I'm going over. Um, Our numbers I, are more like ten point nine, eleven. I think right now uh, we'd have to rerun them. Um, we have we haven't run them in a while, but there haven't been any big moves in the NFL, so we would say over. Um, you know, overs are generally sucker plays, but I think in this case, like it's a little bit absurd, isn't it? I think so, man. I think so. This division is just hard. This division is absolutely hard, but the thing, and, and we'll get to, we'll do like a little Broncos chargers kind of like compare and contrast here. Um, the, the thing is both those teams have question marks and even though the chiefs do as well, like you have to take, you can't just ignore that those others. Um, speaking of question marks, don't let your body hair. Be a question mark. Go to Manscaped. Do you like that? Yeah. Um, it's pro. <laughs> go to manscaped.com. Use promo code PFF. Get 20% off and free shipping on the performance package 4.0. Um, you're, uh, you want to be sleek. You want to be smooth. You want to run a sub 4.3. You want to do all those things on the field that, um, that you know make people turn their head and go, wow, that's impressive. And to do that, the performance package 4.0 is the uh, is the secret that you need. You get the lawnmower 4.0, which we both extol the virtues of time and time again, um, because it has a long battery life, has a light, doesn't cut you. Um, the weed whacker, nose and uh, ear uh, hair trimmer, plus a ton of other stuff to keep your skin moisturized and looking great this whole summer through. So go to mans- uh, manscaped.com, promo code PFF, 20% off plus free shipping. All right, we have got, I guess this is probably the correct way to say it. The two, in your words, most hipster teams in the entire NFL, and it's the Broncos and the Chargers. Everyone is really excited about both these teams. And they have the same odds to win the division. Chargers win total is 10 minus 120 plus 100 on um, our friends at, at DraftKings Sportsbook. And the Denver Broncos, if I can find them here on... The list are 10 minus 125 over plus 105 under. So which one of these teams 
has the better chance um, of going over and of winning the division. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I have some Denver, sorry, I have some uh, San Diego. I'm going to call them San Diego until they make the playoffs again. Um, San Diego, four to one to win the division and three and a half to one to win the division. Um, you know, shame works. And now they're down to plus 250. I think plus 250 is the right number. I think the Broncos throttling back from plus 200 to plus 250 makes sense. Um, I, I think now the Chargers are probably too expensive. Um, I would, if anything, go under 10 um, just for the, the LOLs. Mm-hmm. Um, the, here's the thing with Denver. Their Denver schedule is easier. Um, Denver also has, I think, a really high ceiling. And, and here's why. I think... You know, when you look at Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson has some of the characteristics that Aaron Rodgers had before Matt LaFleur mm-hmm, mm-hmm. got, got a hold of him as far as, you know, uh, needing structure, you know, having, you know, declined a little bit, although he kind of finished the year okay. Um, you know, Wilson still had 26 big – I mean, the, what an underrated part of the season was prior to getting injured, Russell Wilson was having a great individual season. The – the um the, the wins, like he didn't have a turnover worthy play in the first five games of the year, right? Before he got injured. Uh, and then he came back, he had three turnover worthy play game. He, you know, you know, did not have, uh, you know, it was not good when he came back. Um, but, you know, when you look at time to throw 2.78 last year was sort of like a low watermark for him prior. It was like 3.03, 2.95, 2.98, 3.12. I think Wilson has receivers who can get open. I think he has an offensive line that's good enough. And I think Javante Williams is actually a better running back than Aaron Jones. So, you know, you look at that offense and you can see some Green Bay elements to it. And and if if Wilson buys in and throws the ball, like, really well underneath uh, and, and, you know, quickly, then that offense, I think, is going to be very, very good. Uh, couple that with the defense that has some good playmakers. You know, Randy Gregory coming over from Dallas. Uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, you know, already being a great corner. Like, they're a team that I think is is probably at plus 250, maybe a value, um, and, and over 10, maybe a value. I, I just think, I think Wilson's going to be unlocked in this offense. I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I can't disagree with any of that. And the Chargers are the Chargers. That's the really tough thing for me here. If this weren't the Chargers, Right, it would be so easy. I'd be like, you know what, Chargers is a more talented team. Like I, the Chargers, the Chargers are more talented than the Chiefs are. Like I don't think there's any denying that. Like you go through the the positions, like they have a, a studly team. I mean, they have. I, I guess they don't. They don't quite have an Aaron Donald. They don't quite have a Jalen Ramsey. But like, they've got some damn close guys there, man. I mean, Khalil Mack. Joey Bosa, um, uh, Derwin James, and Justin Herbert is, I mean, what, per dollar spent? You're getting more out of him than you are Mahomes, right? Uh, per dollar? Uh, there's per no dollar, like, yeah. Yeah, there's and, no, like, doubting and, that, right? Well, and we, and again, like, I think a lot of projection on Mahomes. I think this is going to be a year where Mahomes is kind of relearning how to play quarterback a little bit, whereas Wilson... Again, like the the biggest question it, for Russell Wilson is whether the Seattle Seahawks had a point, right? 
like whether Seattle was right in throttling him back and playing him, you know, for you know, with the with the first half of the 2020 season notwithstanding, treating him like he was a Kirk Cousins type of player. Um, my my guess, given every other one of Seattle's decisions, is no. Like this, it was just you know they were just being stupid. But you know that that is it's not clear necessarily that that is you know that like that that's the uncertainty with Wilson is. You know, the one time we saw him, you know, getting to cook, he was amazing. Um, but he made mistakes. He threw some interceptions. Um, and that caused Seattle to throttle back. Was Seattle wrong? My money's on yes. That, that Seattle mm-hmm. uh, didn't do enough to help Russell Wilson. Also, but there are, smart, there are smart people, you know, Justice Mosqueda, I think, being one of them. And, you know, some people who said, no, there's like, I mean, Seth Galina, I think, and, and Deontay, when they re- we had the two high podcasts. You know, we're basically saying like, look, like there's some flaws in Russell Wilson's game that are uh, that are that are real that are real, and you know, those are that that gives me a little hesitancy. But man, I I, I would, you know, I just don't necessarily think that the Seattle Seahawks did a good job of managing him. Well, and you think um, their scheme was like? Are you saying they're going? Oh yeah, he screwed up a really good scheme. Like, because you your point there on on the Hackett Packers thing is like, he doesn't have to be Matt Lafleur. And, and Russell Wilson doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers for this to take a step in the right direction, right? Um, which is, I think, your point. Here's where I'm at, okay? Here's how I can separate it. It's scheme that I have, you know, like if we're doing like, you know, the, you know who has the edge here? Scheme, the, the Broncos. And that, that's the thing that gives me the biggest, you know, biggest like red flag. Because on the other side, you've got, you know, quarterback, like, I'll take Herbert. He's also way, way more valuable from a dollar per, per uh, wins above replacement. Um, rest Herbert's of the t- like a top three quarterback in the NFL in war. If you, even if you don't adjust for price and then right. after you and, and I'm saying price, it's fucking unre- unreal. He, he was so good last year. And then the next thing is like continuity, you know, like chargers have better continuity. They don't really have a home field advantage that does, you know, hurt a little bit. Um, so it's like my heart is with, the chargers but there's this thing in my head that's like man a really good scheme with that quarterback there's like you're asking you you need like maybe less of a herculean performance from the quarterback and so if justin herbert is like anything but a top three guy next year then it's it's a problem so like i guess gun to my head i will go with brandon staley justin herbert and the chargers but i think this is one of the most fun debates out there is like both these teams going all in both have these interesting like ways of projecting forward into a Super Bowl team and you kind of just got to pick one that you feel the, the most good about let me ask you this from a math perspective like should we be more confident in like the quarterback's performance above the scheme or more confident in like a scheme that we believe will take a average performance from a good quarterback and elevate it you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah i mean i think i think on one end the chargers are going to give their their team the best chance to win with fourth downs and stuff um on the other end and again like we like the last time that uh nathaniel hackett called plays he was a the off you know the offensive coordinator for the jacksonville jaguars Mm -hmm. so like we don't have uniform success for him but the Green Bay, you know, Matt LaFleur ran a very good ship in Green Bay. Um, you know, I thought that they went for the right fourth downs. Now, 
I, you know, question that, and I got, you know, people on Twitter were, were kind of nasty about this, but like, you know, Matt LaFleur gave up a lot of timeouts. Is that a, a factor of Rodgers or, or LaFleur? Like that was the one analytical leak in LaFleur's game. I, I think that it's going to be, it, it, it's an, like, I think it's literally a coin flip between these two. And, you know, we, we could get to the end of the, the year and both of these teams are at nine wins because they split. And, you know, that, that, that would be interesting. And, and the Raiders, like, we get we dragged the Raiders for the first half of the, the part. But, like, if the Raiders split with both of these teams like they did last year, then, or I think maybe the Raiders even swept the Broncos. I can't remember. Um, then, you know, then, then this division, you know, maybe unders are the right play. Now, both of these, I believe they get the AFC South, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, there might be something associated with, uh, you know, betting the over. Let me let me look quickly here. They do get the AFC South. So, you know, the, on, on one side of my mouth, they're all going to beat each other up. On the other side of my mouth, they're playing the NFC West, which is going to be tough, and the AFC South, which is going to be easy. So maybe maybe it still it still goes under because for all these teams because uh, of you know them beating each other up type of thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So who are who are you? Who are you riding with? I'm going to go with the. I'm gonna. So I have bets on the Chargers, but there are much better prices. I'm yeah. gonna go with the Broncos okay. now at their current price. Okay. So we're. This is fun because I think neither of us disagree with each other, like point by point. But you know, like the the tiniest of razor's edges has us on um, on the other side of one another, which I think is fun. Um, maybe this should be a, maybe this should be a steak dinner bet. Um, who knows? Yeah. So you want to take the chargers, your Los Angeles chargers. Uh, yeah. My Los Angeles chargers. And, and my, I've never been to Denver. Um, How about this? I've got a good one for you. This, this is something is way better than some bullshit steak dinner. The, the loser has to buy a ticket to a game for that you know so like if if you win i've got to get us like chargers tickets to go you know to go watch like a chargers yeah and if if um if i win you've got to buy us uh you know denver tickets or or vice versa if i win you buy us chargers tickets and and uh, i tried to get you niners Bengals tickets and you categorically didn't want them so i i like this i like this bet for that reason the benefit here is that we get a trip out of it the, the reason I was yeah. anti that was like, I'm just going to walk, you know, anyways, this, this is good. I like, I like where our bets are progressing. Um, we have some, some other really good stuff that I think we can save for um, an Easter treat on, on Sunday. Um, and uh, that will make, um, that will make everyone's Easter a little bit better. I will, we will see you guys on Sunday afternoon at some point. I can neither confirm nor deny that uh, Eric will be fresh off an Easter egg hunt with his uh, his daughters, but um, I look forward to hearing those stories. Is that what you guys do? Like, what, what do you? I've uh, forgotten at I, this point. Yeah, I think we're going to be on the the farm somewhere. Okay. I think I don't know. Like the Easter egg hunt will be. I don't know. Remember last year during Easter, we had Sage Rosenfels on, and he yeah. talked about the Justin Fields thing. Yeah, I feel like this year it's going to be a lot less uh festive but yeah it'll probably be an easter egg hunt it'll probably great stories from the sermon uh on the 
on the mount. Um, on on the mount, uh, you know, it'll be yeah. Easter will be fun. And by the way, by Sunday, the first four USFL games will right. have been played. Um, a privilege for all of us. If you did not listen to the last podcast, we talked about the USFL, and I've heard that if you uh, at Eric on Twitter, he will uh, more than happily point you in the direction of this tweets talking about the USFL. Um, I'm looking forward to no context USFL tweets from Eric Eager this weekend. It'll be uh, quite a delight. That was our podcast. We love you all. Thanks for hanging out. Peace.